Good morning, Woodvale family. Today, we are beginning a brand new seven-part sermon series that we're calling Stronger. And for the next seven Sundays, we're going to explore Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, down to verse 20, looking at that wonderful passage of Scripture that talks about putting on the full armor of God. I believe that God wants us to be stronger. Have you noticed during this COVID season, there's still lots of fear out there. Not just fear, uncertainty. And not just uncertainty, speculation. But God wants us to be stronger. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I want every one of you to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. He said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's trying to trick us. There's lots of schemes that the devil is throwing at us, but we need to take our stand and be strong in the Lord. He goes on to say, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The enemy wants to cripple the church. The enemy wants to defeat the church. The enemy doesn't want you or I to reach our full potential in God, but we can stand strong in the Lord, in His mighty power, and we can push against those forces of darkness that are coming at us. He says in verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And so today, in just a couple of moments, Pastor Joe is going to share message number one. And he's going to talk to you today about the belt of truth. Next week, I'm going to share with you about the breastplate of righteousness. And then I'm going to talk to you in the next message after that about the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then the shield of faith. And then the helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the Spirit. And then in the final message, I want to talk to you about prayer and praying in the Spirit. I really believe that this seven-part sermon series is going to be life-giving, life-changing for every single one of us because God wants us to be stronger. May you enjoy this first message as Pastor Joe comes now to share. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. And to see you all today, this is, this is exciting. The armor of God. That's just kind of a cool topic. It's just kind of a really, really cool thing to be able to do. It sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? The armor of God. It just sounds like a, like a powerful thing because it is. It comes from God. And you know what? Just to help us visualize this morning, we have an incredible kids' ministries department that has a room that has inventory of all kinds of stuff. And I just thought I would just kind of show us a little bit about what we're looking for because the analogy along here goes with that of what a Roman soldier would have worn back in that day. So we have a couple things. The belt of truth is what we're going to focus on today. And that is verses uh, 13 and 14. But in our kit today, this is the belt of truth. And you might think like, wow, that's a little bit underwhelming there, Joe. How come, how come it's so skinny? You know what? The belt of truth served a couple of things. It did a couple of purposes. Number one, back then those guys wore really long shirts, like shirts down to here. So they had to keep the shirt tucked up. They also had to keep the breastplate on. So the breastplate is this. 
look at this. The breastplate of right, look, looks like it's made just for me. It's just sculpted just exactly the same way I am. Look at that. And then, uh, then we have on um, the, uh, so we got the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, uh, the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith. So you may have seen like, you know, action hero movies with uh, Captain America, and he's got this amazing shield. This is the kind of shield that they would have had back then. The belt of truth also had a spot for the sword, for the sword of the spirit to go in there. So thank you, Pastor Shelley, for your use of your stuff here this morning. Um, God's armor has all of these pieces that Pastor Mark just mentioned, and we're going to focus today on the belt of truth. And that is found in verse 13 and 14. I'm just going to read those again. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So you want it tight. You want it snug. It's got to be good. God's armor is even better than superhero armor. You know, I heard that Wonder Woman had a lasso of truth. We have the belt of truth. The difference is superhero armor and accessories are just for them. It's not for anybody else. God's armor is for you and me. It's for us. God's armor is for all of us. God's armor is for those who believe in the one true God and have faith in him. God's armor is for us. We don't need an armor bearer to help us put it on. We don't need a tech department to help us develop it. We just accept it and just put it on. It's all right in here. Um, the armor of God allows us to stand against the devil's schemes. And so stronger. We need to be strong. And we need to understand truth. And the reason why the belt of truth was centered there, literally, in our anatomy, it's in the middle. It holds the other pieces together. So the belt of truth was holding all of those other parts together. Just like the knowledge of truth, knowing the truth, helps all of the other parts work together. It helps them just simply make sense. It's the core. It's the core part that holds the rest together. And you know what? We've heard it said before, but the Christian life is a battleground. It's not a playground. We've heard that said before. And, it, and we see that reference through here. We see that in our passage today. Paul is using uh, military symbolism and military language. There's a couple other verses I'd like to share with you as well. Uh, that should be on the screen. From, uh, one's from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In 1 Timothy, we read, fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. There's this, there's this uh, a sense, more than a sense, there's a reality that we are involved in, in battle. Now, some of the things that we need to know about our equipment and about the battle come through the next two words. There's two words we read of in scripture as well, and they are obedience and discipline. But obedience, God expects us to be obedient. He expects us to follow his word. And in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 11, verse 22, we read that God expects us, uh, if you carefully observe all these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience in him. He expects us to do that. If we are obedient uh, we will be successful. We have to learn to be obedient. We have to be disciplined. 
Discipline is something that soldiers learn. Again, with that military theme, that's what they do. They practice strategy. They, they know their equipment inside and out. They know how it all works. They know how to do at least two or three things with it. They know how to care for it. They know how to fix it. They know their equipment inside and out. They also know their strategy. They have, if you will, a playbook. They know how to respond. If uh, the enemy does this, they know how to counter that. They know how to set up an offensive. They, they practice these things. Other people practice discipline as well. If you play sports, you play a position on a team. And you have to be disciplined in your position. You have to play well in order for your team to succeed. I had a coach in high school. He told me there's only three things you need to do, Joey. Just three things to be successful as a defensive tackle. That's the position I played. He said, practice, practice, practice. Just three things that you have to do. The more we are familiar with, the more we repeat the basics, right? Going over the basics over and over and over again, the basic skills, the basic drills, the more we do that kind of thing, uh, the more it becomes second nature. And in verse 13, we read, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So that means after, you've, after you're exhausted, after you're so beat, you're tired, you're worn out, you're spent, after you, you can still do the basics, you can still perform, you can still do your position, you can still stand. Practice, practice, practice. So truth, the belt of truth, truth is central. Truth holds the rest of it together. Truth helps us understand righteousness and who is righteous. Truth helps us be ready to share the gospel of peace. Truth allows us to hold on to the shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts and the flaming arrows. Truth helps it make sense to put on the helmet of salvation. Truth helps us to properly handle the sword of the Spirit. All of these things are based on truth and understanding what truth is. We need to be familiar with our tools. We need to be familiar with our equipment, and we need to be familiar with our strategy. As Christians, we face three enemies. We face um, the world, we face the flesh, and we face the devil. The world refers to the, the whole system around us. Everything around us that is opposed to God, uh, that caters to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of that is the world. Uh, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, we read, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Society apart from God is the world. We are in the world, Scripture says, but we're not of it. And there's no better example of the world than there is today. Today, in the situation that the globe is in at the moment with a pandemic, most people are at home, everybody's watching the screen, everything 
is accented. All of the things are just brought to the forefront. We're all interested in everything that's going on. It's kind of like everybody's watching the game at the same time all over the world. We're seeing it all take place. We're seeing both the good and the bad from it right now. We need to know the truth in order to navigate through this time. We need to be able to practice the truth to help our communities navigate through this time. Our best protection against deception is grounding in biblical truth. Pastor Mark said it just a few minutes ago. He said, our current time is marked with fear, uncertainty, and speculation. That is the truth. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The flesh, second part, the flesh is the old nature that we inherited from Adam. It's opposed to God. It can't do anything to spiritually to please God. Christ, by his death and resurrection, overcame the world. He also overcame the flesh, and he overcame the devil. So as believers, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We stand off from victory. We are standing victorious today. We don't have to fight for it. We've already got it. The battle is won, but we are still in it. John 16, verse 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then Romans 6, verse 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That is the flesh. The devil is the third part of our, of our enemy. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a liar. And we need to understand our opponent. We need to understand how he works. We need to understand his strategy. We need to understand our opponent. Do you know who asked the very first question recorded in Scripture? The very first question recorded in the Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent asked this question. He said, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? So imagine that. Imagine the most beautiful place on earth, literally, the garden. Adam and Eve are there. They've been given some rules. And the serpent just simply asks a question. He doesn't have a huge campaign with free giveaways and prizes and rah, 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 and big bands. He's just got a simple question. And his simple question was all it had to do was to plant a seed of doubt. That's all he had to do. It worked. And since then, we have questioned God's goodness. We have questioned, did God really say that? We have questioned when we read scripture, is that really what that means? He's a deceiver. Satan is a liar. We need to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm. Ephesians uh, chapter 1 uh, in verse 19 to 23, I'm just going to read that to you. It says, 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is who we serve. There are some key things to know about our enemy. Number one, he is a created being. He is not eternal like God is. He is not uh, omnipresent like God is. That means God is everywhere at the same time. Satan is not everywhere at the same time. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. Satan is not all-knowing. He knows a lot, but he doesn't know at all. And he's not omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. And Satan is not all-powerful. God is all-powerful. God alone is all-powerful. How does Satan accomplish so much in so many parts of the world at the same time if he's not all-present and all-powerful? That's a pretty good question. And the answer is he's got organized help. He just does. Paul calls them principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. In Revelation, John says one-third of all of the angels fell with Satan when he rebelled against God. And Daniel writes that Satan's angels struggle against God's angels for control of nations. A spiritual bad battle is being waged. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle. You and I are a part of that battle. And knowing this makes walking in victory critical. We need to understand our equipment. We need to understand the scope of where we are. Satan is a strong enemy, and we need the power of God to stand against him. Do not underestimate your enemy. How many people have, you've watched a game film from the team you're about to play on Friday night, you've practiced all week, you know what it's going to do, you know what their quarterback can do, you know what their defensive line's like, you know all these things, but you can never underestimate the power of the enemy. You can never underestimate the power of the, the opponent because they are also studying you. All we have to do is read the book of Job to understand what Satan's power can do to someone's body, home, wealth, family, and friends. Jesus calls him a thief who comes to steal and destroy. So that is our enemy, wrapped up in that trifold thing. The equipment list that we're going to get to today is the belt of truth. So truth, it's the center, it's the core, it's the part that holds all the rest of it together, the truth. We need to know the truth. Without the truth, the rest has limited value. First Timothy says, God desires all men to be saved and come to a saving knowledge of the truth. The word of God is truth. The inspired word of God contains the prophecies that must come true. Jesus is the truth and the word, we read. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. 
The word of God is truth. Jesus prayed on the night of his betrayal for his disciples, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I got a formula for you. Jesus equals the word of God, which equals truth. That's our belt. That's our belt that we need to have buckled around us as tight as it can be. In 2 Timothy, we read that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If our beliefs are not rooted in God's Word, we cannot expect to fight battles for Christ. We just can't. Halfway won't really get us there. Without an understanding of the truth, we are left vulnerable to being carried about by every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men, and the craftiness of deceitful plants. Without the truth, we're not anchored. The belt of truth protects us and prepares us for the battle that is a part of all of our lives as Christians. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lead not on your own understanding, but in all that ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Jesus warns us not to be deceived. During the tribulation, Satan will be his most convincing by working great wonders of deception. So again, it's deception. Things are not always as they appear. We need to know the truth. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. That's our goal. That's our scope. That's our action point. That's, that's where we want to be. I'm going to ask uh, if Lucas would make his way up. And uh, we talked about the first question recorded in Scripture being from Satan. He asked his question to manipulate Eve. He asked his question to cause Adam and Eve to doubt God's goodness, to doubt the truth of what God had said. Did he really say that? Who do you suppose asked the second question recorded in Scripture? The second question was asked by God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we read about the second question. God and Adam and Eve were in the habit of meeting together in the garden for a walk in the cool of the day. They would come together and they would talk, they would converse, and they would just enjoy fellowship with one another. And then one day that, that stopped. They weren't there. Adam and Eve were now afraid because they had knowledge. They were afraid of God. So God asked this one question. Where are you? God asked his question to restore the couple, to bring them back. He had a plan for their lives. He had a plan 
they would not be able to continue fellowship in the garden, but they would be able to continue to have fellowship. Where are you? Because of Adam's failure, each of us comes into the world without Christ, without hope, and without eternal life. Every single one of us. We are lost. And God asks us the same question to each of us. Where are you? Where are you? Today I would like to invite you in a response to God's question. Perhaps you're here today and you don't feel worthy to be in God's presence. Perhaps you're watching online today and and you doubt the truth. You're not sure of what it is. John said that then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Salvation is a free gift. The Lord Jesus Christ solved the problem of sin and death with his own death and resurrection. He paid for every person's sin with his sacrifice and putting one's trust in his work, he died for your sins and rose from the dead. That's how we enter into life. Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And in that is our hope for eternal life. So I would like to ask us to just join together in prayer. If that's you today, just join us in this prayer this morning. Just raise your hand, if you will. And let's pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge my sin, my doubt, my worthiness. I ask your forgiveness. I accept your work of salvation. I ask you to lead me from this day forward. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer today, we are so glad for you. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life, and we are so glad for you. There is a Connect card on our website. You can just click that and fill that out, and we will get back to you. If you are here on site and you came with someone this morning, then tell them that you prayed that prayer. If you're at home or uh, if there's a watch party going on, you know what? Let somebody know that you prayed that prayer. This is an exciting day. This is the rest of your life, the first day of the rest of your life. Folks, you know what? God is with you, and he's even gone before you. And he has given us armor. He has given us armor to face the trials and tribulations that come our way. And the first part of the, the first thing on the list is the belt of truth. So we want to go away today knowing what is truth. And truth is the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. No man comes to the Father but through the Son. That is the truth. Amen. God bless you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And we hope to see you again real soon. God bless.